Welcome to the New Providence Presbyterian Church podcast, where we will share our messages from our weekend worship services. We hope these messages will inspire you and challenge you in your walk with Jesus. Lord Jesus, you are King of kings and Lord of lords. And you are the light of the world. And as we consider that topic this morning and who you are, I ask now that you would teach us from your word. I ask God that you would give us open, open eyes, open ears, help us to see and hear what you want us to see and hear. And open up our hearts to your love, grace, and truth. And may that love, grace, and truth come through your word by the power of your spirit. And may it be all for your glory. We pray in the powerful name of Jesus, our Savior. Amen. Well, darkness and being in the dark is dreadful. I think that's why we have an immediate negative reaction once the power goes out. Once that power goes out, the groan that goes through the house, oh, and it happens to go out a lot around here. But the fact that the power goes out, and then you have that reaction, or the phrase, even the phrase, I hate being in the dark, right? Not knowing, not being in the know, being left out, being in the dark. There's something about dark, darkness and being in the dark that's dreadful. I think it goes back even to our childhood where we have our first experience with darkness. I know it is for me. And I have lots of memories of being scared of the dark as a child. In fact, I recall just sitting in my bedroom at night and just the, 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 the fear that would come over me at points. And there was one instance that it was very strange how it came about. We had this assignment at school. I don't know why they thought this was a good idea. But the idea was to bring a picture of yourself and draw yourself. Draw a picture of yourself. And so I brought in a picture and a photo and took out a blank piece of paper. And in our class, we took crayons and I drew a picture of myself. And, and as I looked at the picture and brought it home, honestly, the picture was creepy. It's just a scary picture. I don't know what that says about me, but it was scary. And, and like a good parent, my mom took the piece of artwork and she put it in the hallway right outside my door. You know this was where this is going. And so at night, my room, in the hallway was the nightlight. And I have this memory of looking out in the hallway. And at night, there was that picture. And I'm not making this up. I felt like when I looked at the picture, it would turn and look at me. <laughs> and it was scary. I remember thinking, don't look at the picture. So I turned away from the picture. But it's almost like I could feel his eyes looking at me. And I thought, if I, he may climb off the wall and crawl into my room and into my bed. So I turned around. And one night it just became too much and I just cried out for help. I remember my dad coming in the room, turning on the light and saying, Jeffrey, it's okay. He assured me and I calmed down. And, uh, and it just made that better. I think that's a picture of so many ways of our Heavenly Father. When we call out in the middle of the darkness that he is quick to come. He is the Father of the heavenly lights. We read that in James. He is light and in him there is no darkness. And that is what we're going to be considering in the weeks ahead. My question to you is, what darkness are you facing today? Darkness in the form where there's something that you don't know how it's going to turn out. Where there's fear, there's anxiety. Maybe it's, it's more un there's uncertainty. Darkness where you feel like something's creeping in and you can't get out. There's some type of form of darkness. Maybe it's relational. Maybe it's relational darkness. It's a relationship that you're in and you're not sure where it's going to go, how it's going to end up. Maybe it's emotional or mental darkness. Maybe it's physical darkness. Maybe there's a disease or uncertainty, whether in your life or a loved one, and there's darkness there. Maybe it's financial darkness. A lot of the changing things are happening in our world today and you're not sure how things are going to go financially, whether for yourself personally or your, where you work or things along those lines. Maybe it's, most importantly, spiritual darkness. 
There's something that's standing in the way between you and God, a barrier, a block, and you feel like you're in darkness. I'm not, I don't know what that is for you today, but I believe in a broken world in which we live, a sin-infected world, that all of us are facing darkness in some capacity. It could come in the form of depression or loneliness, disease, or even addiction. What darkness are you facing today? And as we come into this Advent season, the question is, how can God bring light into darkness this Advent season? Right? Advent, which comes from the Latin word adventus, which, speaks, which means coming. In the Greek, it's translated as parousia, meaning the coming of, ultimately the coming of Christ, coming to be with us on Christmas Day, and also coming back and returning to be with us. And there's a sense of expectancy, in fact, holy expectancy in this season. As we reflect on what God has done in the past, all the promises fulfilled in the coming of Christ, and we reflect on what he's doing right now in light of those promises, and then as we look to the future in light of those promises, this season provides an opportunity for us to look again at the promises of God and to come with a sense of expectancy, not, not, um, not entitlement, not a sense of expectation, God, you do this for me, but expectancy, a humble posture of looking to God based on who he is and his promises. Um, it gives us hope. And I believe it gives us life-transforming hope as we look at him because God has always brought light into darkness. That's what he's always done. He's done it in the past, he's doing it now, and he'll do it in the future. And this is the God that's described in the Bible and the God of Christianity. He is the God who is light, and in him there is no darkness. No darkness. And so today's focus is how God sends light into darkness. How God sends light into the darkness. We're considering this pattern, this approach, and the impact of God sending light into darkness. And the good news is this, that God lights up darkness. God lights up darkness, and he sent Jesus as light into darkness to rescue us. Let me say that again. God lights up the darkness, and he sent Jesus as light into darkness to rescue us. This is who God is. This is who he's always been. He's always brought light into darkness. And we're going to focus on that truth, not only today, but in the weeks of Advent leading up and culminating in Christmas Eve, where we'll hear ultimately the good news of Jesus coming to be with us as the full light into the world. And so today we're going to begin with some foundational passages. We're going to go back to the beginning, the beginning of the Bible. And in Genesis chapter 1, we're going to look at the first five verses. We're also going to look at John chapter 1 and the first five verses there. Consider who is this God and how does he send light into darkness. So again, we're going to go back to the beginning of the Bible, the first words of the Bible, the first five verses, starting in Genesis chapter 1. I'm going to read through the whole passage, and then we're going to go through segments of the, of the passage as we look at this God who sends light into darkness and how that light transforms and what it does. So going all the way back to the beginning, Genesis chapter 1, starting in verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty, Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. God saw that the light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there, and there was evening, and there was morning, the first day. Those first four words of the Bible are powerful. In the beginning, God. In the beginning, God. Here we see at the start. God was at the start. God has always been. He always will be. 
He created the heavens and the earth. He did this. And the word for create translated from Hebrew is a specific word. It's only used for God. So this is more than simply making something, though he did make things. This is speaking specifically of God who powerfully and personally created with his unique stamp on it. This is God who created and had a purpose and, again, had a unique stamp. But we move on to verse 2 and we see the, a description that's very interesting, that the earth was formless and empty. Here's a picture of a place that was unable to produce life. It's a picture of waste. It's a picture of chaos. It's what the reformer John Calvin called confused emptiness. And there's a description of the deep, another description of the sea. And we see throughout the Bible that in those times that the deep or the sea always spoke of distress and terror. We also see how God over and over overcomes the sea, overcomes the deep, overcomes that distress and terror. It can be hard for us to really wrap our heads and hearts around the, the extent of the distress and terror of the deep or the sea. At least, I don't know about you, I've never been out in the middle of the sea in the middle of the night where no, and wondering if I'm going to survive. But picture yourself in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean with no way to contact anyone. It's pitch dark at night. You're on a boat, and, and the waves are coming, and the storm is there, and you're not sure if you're going to survive. That's a picture of terror. That's a picture of fear. That's a picture of when those, especially in, this, in biblical times, when they thought about the sea and the deep. It was a scary, terrible place. And that's a picture of what we see here. And that's why it's powerful, as we read in the Bible, how God divides the Red Sea. Or how Jesus on the Sea of Galilee calms the waters. It shows that he, as powerful as the Son of God, even he could overcome the seas at that point. But as we look at this passage, it's not just left with distress and terror. We see that the Spirit of God is hovering over the waters. Interesting description. Bible commentaries note that this is a description of like an eagle stirring up her nest to prepare her for what's next. And what's next? Verse 3, God speaks. And God spoke. And what did he say? He said, let there be light. Right, Bible commentator Bruce Walke notes that in each of the creation actions, that there's a series of actions that are connected to each one. There's an announcement, God said. There's a commandment, let there be. And then there's separation, a report of what happens, a naming showing that God's in control, that God is in the authority. There's an evaluation of what's been created, and this is all takes place in a framework. Here we see in this announcement that God said, and what did he say? He said, let there be light. God spoke, and there was light. There was light. Moving on to verses 4 and 5, we see that the light has, he evaluates this and describes it, that the light was good. It was good, and he separated the light from the darkness. Here we see God sent light into darkness, and in doing so, brought order out of chaos. Right? The confused emptiness of the darkness was deeply, deeply transformed. Right? This is the pattern and impact of God's life-transforming light. This is what God did, this is what he does, and this is what God will continue to do. So that's one angle in. Let's now fast forward. Let's go to the New Testament. Right, to one of the Gospels, the Gospel of John. Another window into the beginning. Here John, as he notes and describes the start of the good news of, of Jesus Christ, he drew upon language to connect to people at that time. And the same pattern is seen here as we see in Genesis, that God sent light into darkness. But we see it from another angle. Let me read from John chapter 1, verses 1 through 5. Right, in the beginning was the Word, 
And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. In the same way, we'll take this in segments. In the first three verses, we see that there's three words that were the same in the beginning of Genesis. In the beginning, right at the start. It's the same words, but it's a different window into who God is. It's a different window of who he is and what he did. Here we see that the focus is Jesus. Who is he? Who is Jesus? That's the key question. Question we always have to ask. And if we do, we need language to describe him. And it's always been a challenge. How do you describe Jesus? What language do you use? Well, here in the first century, John just decided to use a description that would have been helpful for those at that time, both from a Jewish background and a non-Jewish background, a Greek background. And as you look at this, he chose the description of the word, right? the Greek word logos, right? and the word of God, which is there. And it's sort of connected to the two primary audiences. No doubt the Jewish audience would have heard this, and then the Greek audience would have heard this. And it would have connected in one powerful truth and one powerful outcome, pointing to Jesus. Right? Throughout the Old Testament, the word, the word was God's powerful, creative, revealing, delivering, and restoring word. When God spoke Things happen. God's word never returned to him empty. It always achieved its purpose. That's what God's word is. In a Jewish mindset, when they hear the word and God's word, they know it's his creative and powerful delivering word. And for a non-Jewish audience, for, for those who are Greek, though there were many streams into it, it would have connected into Stoic philosophy. And where the word, the logos, was the guiding principle that, led, that, that controlled and described everything. And it was this guiding principle, this rational guiding principle that had a stamp on all of the universe. Not just on all the universe, but on the human mind itself. This rational principle was believed that is why everything existed and could explain and describe everything. As Bible commentator William Barclay notes, he says, it's as if John is saying to those from the Greek background, for centuries, you've been thinking and writing about this logos. You've been trying to wrap your head around this. Endless philosophical conversations around this logos, this guiding, rational guiding principle. And now, William Barclay, I love how he says, he says, you've been thinking about this. Now, it's here. This is the logos. So what do we learn? We learn that the word was there at the beginning. Meaning the word wasn't created. It always existed. The word was with God, and the word was God. And that description of the word being God is, speaks to being the very same character and essence and quality of God. In verse 3, we see that this word was the agent through whom all things were made, meaning his influence was on everything. His stamp was on everything. It's one of the many reasons why I believe when we go out in God's creation, there's a sense of feeling connected to God. Because if you see a piece of artwork, and you, and you marvel at someone's artwork, you marvel at the person who made that art. Everything's been made through Christ. So when you see a sunset, when you're by the ocean, if you're hiking in the mountains, if you see something beautiful, I believe it has the stamp of Jesus through whom all things were made. So who is this word though? Yeah, I believe it's Jesus. Why? We go down to verse 14 and we read the word, this word became flesh. And this is mind-blowing for the people in that age. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. John says, we've seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father full of grace and truth. 
This word is Jesus who came to be with us. He took on human flesh. He, took, he made his dwelling among us. He made his residence here with us. At this rational guiding principle of Greek philosophy that was to explain everything. It wasn't just out there. It wasn't just a thought. It's a person. And he came to be with us. He took on human flesh. Back to verse 4 and 5, we see that in him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness does not overcome it. We see that the light and life of God is the light of truth. And this light is the opposite of death. This light is the opposite of destruction. That he is the source of light. The word light is used 21 times in the Gospel of John. It's a key theme in that Gospel. In verse 5, we see that this light shines in the darkness, but the darkness hasn't overcome it. The word darkness occurs seven times in the Gospel of John. And so we see this conflict between light and darkness. They don't coexist. They're not friends. There's, there's antagonism. Darkness is hostile to the light. But the good news is that light always has victory over darkness. Always. They're not matched opposites. It's not a dualistic view of the, of the cosmos where light and darkness are equal. No, light always overcomes darkness. Light has the victory. But we see that darkness always comes in the absence of light. So what does that mean in terms of our lives? For us, it means turning away from the light. Right? Pastor and author and missiologist Leslie Newbegin in his commentary on the Gospel of John called The Light Has Come says this, Darkness is what confronts one who turns away from the true source of his being, tries to find its meaning elsewhere, and is thereby plunged into meaninglessness. Here's a picture of turning away from God. Here's a picture of trying to make life work on our own. Here's a picture of pushing God away and pushing God out and pushing out the light, turning away from the true source of light, where the only outcome of that is darkness. The more that we try to make life work on our own, the more try, wherever we run away from God, the more that we run into darkness as opposed to coming to the light. We have the freedom to do that. We also have the freedom to turn around, to turn around. And Jesus shared this word of encouragement and truth later in his ministry. He said in verse uh, John 12, 46, he says this, I've come into the world as a light so that no one who believes in me should stay in darkness. What does this mean for us today? Let's go back to where we started. I believe we're all facing darkness in some way. Each of you comes into this time with some form of darkness in your life, whether it's relational, mental, emotional, maybe facing a physical challenge, a financial challenge, no doubt spiritual darkness. But the good news is that God invites us to turn around, to turn to him, either turn to him or turn back to him. The question is, are we turning to God? Are we turning to the light? Remember, remembering that God is the God who lights up the darkness. And God invites us to turn to him or to turn back to him. Our darkness may come because of a decision we've made. And that's the reality of the truth, that when we sin or turn away from God, we can end up in darkness. The good news today is God knows every decision you've made, and he loves you nonetheless, and he wants you to come home. He wants you to come back. He wants you to turn back to him and to come back to the light. And when you do, he says, it's okay. I've known your sins. I know your decisions. I'm here. God's not going to stand there waving his finger in shame saying, I told you so. Get your act together. That's not the God of the Gospels. That's the God, not the God that we see in the Bible. He's there like the, like the father for the prodigal son coming to get us, welcoming us home. So if you've made decisions, you've turned into darkness, turned away from God, hear the good news. You could always come back to him. 
In other circumstances, it's not something we've decided, but it's a life circumstance or a decision that someone else has made that's put us into darkness or even plunged us into darkness. And in a broken world that's infected and impacted by sin, that's going to happen. Let this be an invitation to you today to call out to God in that darkness, recognizing he may not fix it right away, but his promise is that he'll be with you in the darkness. He'll walk with you in the midst of that darkness. God promises to be with us. It's always better to be with someone that you trust in the dark when you're alo- as opposed to being alone. And that brings me back to my story. Right? My dad turned on the light. Yeah, that scary picture that happened to be me, it all of a sudden wasn't scary anymore. But we weren't going to keep the light on all night. And so, yeah, he turned the light back off. But what did my dad do? He stayed in the room with me. I never forget that night that he decided to sleep on the floor. And all of a sudden, that scary picture wasn't as scary because I knew my dad was there with me. That's the picture of our Heavenly Father. He is with us in the darkness. He's not going to leave us. He's not going to forsake us. He'll walk with us through whatever we're facing. So remember this. Don't give up because God's going to light it up. Don't give up because God is going to light it up. Remember this. God lights up the darkness. And he sent Jesus as light into darkness to rescue us. That's the one thing to remember. One thing to do is identify this week a specific source of darkness and invite Jesus to enter into this and light it up. Light it up. And it's a very basic prayer. Here's a prayer I want to equip you with this week. Jesus, light it up. Jesus, light it up. When you're facing darkness, say, Jesus, light it up. And he'll be there. Ask him to be there. If you don't feel like he's there, say, I, be honest with him. I don't feel like you're here. Say, Jesus, light it up. And this Advent season, I invite you to set an alarm on your phone for 12.25 p.m. Send an alarm on your phone with the label, Jesus, light it up. And I invite you this in the next days, from the days from now until December 25th, that's why it's 12.25, December 25th, all the way up until to interrupt your day and have your phone... Might be a little odd if your next someone says, Jesus, light it up. What does that mean? But still, have it there to, re- to interrupt your day. And whatever you're facing, whatever you're going through, say, Jesus, light it up. If there's something specific on mine or just in general, or for Jesus to light it up in our community, that his light would come to our community. Whatever that is, may that guide your prayers. May it interrupt you and help you in the midst of all the, the craziness and the shopping and all the busyness and things that are coming at you. To pause at 12.25 p.m. And ask Jesus to light it up, to remember who he is, to thank him. And may that help prepare us in the weeks ahead as we move towards Christmas Eve to celebrate the coming of the Messiah, the birth of Jesus Christ. It's a great prayer. Jesus, light it up. Say that with me. Jesus, light it up. May that be the case. Let's pray. Father in heaven, may that be the case. Thank you for your son, who is the light of the world. God, you know our darkness. You know whatever we're facing. God, thank you that nothing takes you by surprise. But help us, Lord, for some of us to turn to you for the first time, others to turn back to you in whatever we're facing, God, whether it's by our own decisions or something else has happened in our life that's caused us and plunged us into darkness. God, help us to reach out to you. And Jesus, you are the light of the world. And so that is our prayer. Jesus, light it up. And may that be the case in the weeks ahead in this Advent season, culminating in Christmas Eve as we celebrate the birth of Jesus the Messiah. The light has come. Light has been sent into darkness. And may we look to him for light and life. We pray this in his name. Amen. Amen.